everyone, it is Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and welcome to podcast episode number 292, and this week's update on my pandemic readiness radar, as well as what to look for in the upcoming days and weeks, and what you should be doing right now to prepare. And don't forget to grab this week's free show notes covering all the main points we covered today. All you have to do is go to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 292 and download it all absolutely free. And now, let's jump into this week's pandemic prepping update. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Okay, welcome back everybody. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine. And uh, for those of you that are just tuning in to what we've been doing lately with our podcast, um, basically we've been taking the news since everything is changing so rapidly with the COVID-19 pandemic that we're currently experiencing. Um, what I want to do is each week give a little bit of an update of what I'm seeing in the news, what it means to me as a survivalist and a prepper, and the things that I'm personally doing right now or that I'm recommending other people do right now to be able to prepare for what's coming up. So if you didn't catch last week's update, uh, it's really like a lot. Things are really rolling out the way that those of us who are kind of looking ahead and have and understand the the domino effect of this, things are really starting to roll out exactly as we've expected. So there are a few things, though, that really caught my eye in the news this week that I thought um, we need to dig a little bit deeper into and get off of the surface here because to me there's always a deeper meaning. We have to look at what's beyond just the stories that are coming out and in the news. So there's some things that are going to be building upon last week's podcast episode that we did and um, and there are some messages here, but there's also some very important things that you need to do right now specifically to be able to prepare for what's coming up because these are things that nobody else is really taking advantage of. I think that the um, preppers, I think, are on the front lines of really understanding what to do, um, but there's some there's some downsides to that as well that I'll also talk about. All right, but the rest of the country is catching up, but they're catching up slower than what people who do practice prepping are have already seen, and so there's still time here to make the right decisions early before the rest of the country really starts to figure it out. All right, but let me go ahead and, and tell you some of the things that have hit my radar this week that I think everybody should be looking at. So number one was um, just, I think this just happened, um, I think I just caught word of it yesterday, but finally Trump has kind of gotten off of the everybody's going to be in church on Easter, and we're recognizing now that there's a dose of reality that we're starting to get. Now, whether or not this has been known behind the scenes and we just don't want the, the public to panic, Again, as preppers, we need to face realities early while everybody else is still in la-la land and practicing cognitive dissonance. They're just they're detached from reality because they just don't want to accept it. I've been saying from the very beginning of this thing, before it even really hit really hard in the news, that we need to take this very seriously, okay? Um, now they're saying that we could see anywhere from 100,000 to 200 deaths within the United States. Now, folks, we are currently only at about 2,600, okay? Now, that means we are we have a long ways to go before we start seeing these numbers take up. Now, I predicted a long time ago that the number of infected, those numbers were going to greatly increase because we're testing more people. But it's the number of deaths that are going to continue to up, uptick also, all right? So we already see this now. We're looking at between 100,000 to 200 deaths, could it be less? It could be if we do the types of things that we know we need to do. And I'm going to talk about some of those things right um, here in just a minute. But the point is that we need to do the things that we need to do. 
And my my fear right now, or my under, my basically what I'm seeing is that the administration and what's coming out into the news right now is still not giving the American public the reality of what could happen here. Now, I've always said before, when it comes to anything, whether it's natural disasters or any type of a crisis, to always add a 50% rule on it. Like, no matter what the worst numbers are that you think, and this is from my own personal experience, like our town, my little town, when it went through our, our flood, um, well, we'd always, we'd had floods in the past. We, we knew what our floods were. We, we, you know, we, we knew where that, that flood line was. Well, then we had a, a massive flood come through in the middle of the night that was about 50% higher than we've ever seen a flood before and it killed people. All right. So we always need to add about 50% to whatever the projections are. So if we add 50% to this, we could be looking at 150 to 300,000 deaths. Now this is a little bit different with a pandemic. I don't want to just, you know, scare the hell out of everybody out there because I believe, I believe that if we get a vaccine going, I think that's our best bet right now. We're, everybody's pitching in. We're getting more gear out there, but we need to find a vaccine for this. Now that's never going to be a, that's not a force field around you because even the seasonal flu, you can get a, a seasonal flu shot and it might not be effective, right? But fortunately, I believe that all the scientists, like we've got a full court press going on with finding a vaccine for this thing as quickly as possible. So I believe that that's going to continue to develop and hopefully we're going to see that kind of come out here, right? But we need to understand that we're only at 2,600 deaths right now within the United States. Last time I looked at the numbers a little while ago. Um, but we could see, we're going to see a massive, massive amount more. Folks, we're, we're still at the very beginning of this. Everybody thinks that this is, you know, well, this is going to, this is going to be over. No. The projections that are coming out of the, of the White House, I do not believe them. And that's not just, I don't have my tinfoil hat on or anything. I just firmly believe that we are still not trying to scare the general public. And there's reasons for that. I, I get it. I understand it. But you listen to this podcast, you need to hope for the best and plan for the worst. Okay, so recognize that things are still going to get a lot, lot worse, which means that you need to prepare now. If you've only been pre preparing for a couple of weeks at home or even a month at home or even two months at home, you're not prepared enough. You're not prepared enough and you don't want to be the, be out there when this thing really, really hits and, and out there trying to be with, with everybody else and all the, the chaos that's going to be out there as well as the limitations of what we're going to have with supplies. All right. So, um, just prepare now is the general message for item number one here. Okay. Item number two here. Um, and, and, and item number, uh, yeah, let's just go ahead and stick with that item number two right now. So this was a, a an article I just read, um, on March 10th. So the beginning of this month, if you're listening to this, well, beginning in March, I'm not sure when you're going to be listening to this, but there was a church choir practice, uh, in Washington state. Now the, this church has about 121 members, I think of the, of the church choir. And it was still early in the month of March. Uh, things hadn't really hit very, very hard. Seattle, this, this, uh, location where this church is, is about an hour outside of Seattle. And there were no restrictions in place yet. There were no closings of businesses and schools and things. It was still early in March. So things were still kind of like, well, we'll see how this thing kind of pans out, which is how I believe everybody is looking at it right now around you is, well, I'll start to do something about it once we start seeing cases in my area. Unfortunately, that there's a 14 day period or so before of, of incubation period where you could be susceptible to, to spreading the infection. You might be asymptomatic, meaning you don't have any symptoms of having it for 14 days. And during that time, you could still be spreading it out out there. Okay. So this church, um, 
had about a two and a half hour choir practice. They decided to go ahead and hold practice. They let everybody know, hey, we're going to take precautions. So I'm going to show up. And if you show up, great. Of the 121 members, 60 of them did show up for church choir practice. Now, they did practice some precautions. They had hand sanitizer for people as they were coming into the church. They did practice social distancing. They didn't, they, they, uh, they didn't do like the normal, like kissing and hugging and handshakes and things like that. They, they practiced social distancing. Maybe it was, let's, maybe it wasn't perfect. We're just going to assume that. Now everybody says, you know, there really wasn't, um, there really wasn't any social contact there between people, but hey, it's church, right? And it's early on. People don't really believe it's going to, again, that cognitive dissonance kicks in there. And so it really wasn't that maybe taken as seriously as it was, but nobody was symptomatic that showed up. Nobody showed up because that felt sick. Nobody was coughing. Nobody was sneezing. They did interview some people there and they said, nope, nobody coughed. Nobody sneezed. Nobody looked like they were sick. Okay. So that was back on March 10th. Now, three weeks later from that time period. So this, this is just coming out now. 45 of the 60 are infected with the COVID-19 virus. Three of those people are hospitalized and two additional people are now dead. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with the other 45 there. Uh, usually, I know in, in churches, a lot of, especially in choirs, you have a lot of older people in these churches, right? Well, I don't know if they held church after that or what kind of social distancing people did after that. But of those 60, 45 are infected, three are hospitalized and two are now dead. So this brings into question, um, the World Health Organization has been downplaying the aerosol transmission of the virus saying that it's really only um, large droplets. Like it's not really an aerosol transmitted virus that well. If somebody sneezes or somebody coughs, yes, it's in those droplets, but those droplets land on something and the people are touching them and then putting them in their eyes, their nose, their mouth. And that's how they're typically going to get this. Now that's not to say that that's not true. But March 17th, there was a study that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine that found under laboratory conditions, the virus did remain viable and infectious in the air for three hours. All right, so they tried to replicate um, what what could this what could this thing do? So it was for three hours it remained viable there. Now that's under laboratory conditions. This was under controlled uh, situation. Those uh, other scientists and other uh, researchers have also said that it's probably no more than about a half an hour under real world conditions. Now what real world conditions mean for me anyway is that yes, it's in the air for a half an hour. Um, but then it's landing on stuff. So it's no longer an aerosol in there. But what they found was that under those, under the, the lab conditions, it could be infectious for up to, or in the air for about three hours. Now, maybe that's assuming that it didn't touch other things. I don't really know what the difference is. But anyway, let's just go ahead and use the half hour mark there that this thing could be in the air. So here's my fear right now. Grocery stores, people are still going out there until they notice that people, that there's, there's body bags lying around the place, okay? So the grocery stores I see as a virtual fog of virus droplets. There's a bunch of people who could be asymptomatic, just like the people in the church choir, that don't feel sick whatsoever, that are practicing social distancing, that are using hand sanitizer, but with that many people in a grocery store, that I just see it as a virtual fog of virus droplets. Now, this sucks for me because I have a son in that environment. I am no longer going to the store. I haven't been going to the store. But you have to really look at this as there that it is an aerosol-transmitted virus because it is. 
Now, the last time I went to the store in my aisle, there was a woman that sneezed into her arm, I'm pretty sure, but nonetheless, I walked the other way. I didn't want to be anywhere near her, and I got out of the store. I took whatever I had, and I got out of the store. That was my last trip to the grocery store. Um, I want to say that was about a week and a half or so ago, all right? So still, but I've been in that environment also. Now, I've my family and I have been self-quarantining now um, 100%. Uh, since that time, that was the last trip to the store there. And we have been 100% self-quarantined. Nobody is showing any symptoms at all or anything. So here are the actions based upon what I'm seeing from um, just from that experience with the church choir and my fear about the grocery stores right now. And again, I did this in the last podcast. I want to again give a a uh, a real real shout out right now to to me the 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 front line of this virus are grocery store workers. Um, more needs to be done there. So I'm going to start with for you workers out there, anybody that is working in, in the, the food industry, wear a mask and gloves. If you are deemed an essential employee and you feel like you have to go to work because otherwise you're going to get fired. And that's the real, that's the real travesty right here is that people feel like they're going to get fired if they don't go to work. Um, wear a mask and gloves. Now, fortunately, my local grocery store has put up, uh, sneeze shields in between the uh the workers and the, the well at least one of them has uh they put up shields now where the workers are not susceptible or they're not right directly in front of those people but again we're talking about a a virus thing now again how is that spread aerosol wise well is is it through the breath is it through sneezing is it through coughing if nobody is sneezing and coughing in there we don't really know yet folks that's why i say you've got to really plan for the worst and hope for the best, all right? But if you are a worker, wear an N95 mask and wear uh, plastic or, you know, latex gloves, some sort of protective gloves on you and demand that the store supply them. Demand, th- I don't understand why more stores aren't taking this very seriously and maybe they just don't want to scare people in there, but it's scaring me that people aren't wearing masks in there. I told you the last time that I went, I only saw two people in the entire store that were wearing, uh, that were wearing masks. That's it. Everybody else, nobody else was wearing it. And this is conflicting information that's come out also because people are saying, well, you only need to wear them if you're feeling symptomatic and you're out there. No, if you're feeling symptomatic, don't go anywhere. You need to be resting at home, just dealing with staying, you know, getting healthy again. But everybody else, you can be breathing in the virus. So you need to be wearing a mask and gloves if you are a worker. Now, if you aren't a worker and you don't, you are not as prepared right now where you need to stock up more on food, things that you're going to to um, to need to be able to be supplied for the next few months. Again, you want to stock up as early as possible. This is still not hit everyone's radar. I, I'm still looking at this as a wave that's going to be coming, that it's it's going to be too late, but we're not going to pay attention to it until it is too late. I still don't feel like the um, our, the the government is not- is giving enough information to people. That's letting people really. I think it's all out of fear. They don't want the stock market to crash. I mean, they're just they're, it's out of fear. They're trying to keep all the plates spinning, when rather than really just doing what we need to do. And it's really hard in democracy. I mean, China did it. They locked everybody up. They put the soldiers out there. They forced quarantines. We're even starting to see signs of that now. I'm going to talk about that here in just a minute as well. Okay. Um, when you stock up, focus in on flu relief. Now, I, I said this a long time ago, and I, I did, said this in my webinar, which is still viable. It's still up and, and running, by the way. So those people that haven't watched my webinar yet, 
Um, it is still viable, so I recommend that you go check that out. I do talk about things that you can be doing still right now. It's still viable. All you have to do is go over to www.mcsmagazine.com slash pandemic-replay, and you can watch the replay of my informational webinar that's out there, okay? Um, but you want to make sure that you focus in on flu relief. We have to assume, you have to assume that somebody is going to get the flu and you are going to have to self-quarantine. That doesn't mean you're going to go to the hospital. It doesn't mean you're going to die. It doesn't mean that you have to be on a ventilator. You can typically do this right at home, all right? But you do need to focus in on the things that are going to be going off the shelf as more and more people do become infected. Again, people are still not buying these because they're, they're planning on not getting infected. You need to plan that you are going to get infected or you're going to have somebody in your home that's going to, and you need to be prepared for that. So you need to be stocking up on things like acetaminophen, ibuprofen, antidiarrheals, flu relief medicines, and chicken soup mixes. So this is something that I've been telling people to do now um, and, and really focusing on things like chicken broth because we do know that chicken soup has been shown to be able to do, uh, uh, not delay, but um, shorten the, the length of colds and flus. And if you are throwing up and you're, you have diarrhea and you have aches and pains and you just, you, you've got chills, you're not going to want to eat nachos and burgers, okay? You're not going to be able to keep it down. You're not going to feel that hungry. But chicken soup is going to allow you to have the nutrition that you need to be able to continue to keep up your strength and fight off the virus, all right? The other things that you can be looking at are prebiotics and probiotics. Those are some of the things that I talk about in the webinar as well. I give you a whole list of things that you should be stocking up on there. But start to do it now and try to order online if you can. You still can find these things Right now, they're in short supply on things like places like Amazon, but don't just go to Amazon. There are other places that you might be able to order from that do have things in stock because so many people do order from Amazon, all right? Um, anyway, focus in on those things right now because they're not going to be available in the near future. If you must go to the store, if you must go to the store, wear an N95 mask and gloves, all right? When you go to the store, assume that you've been infected. So consider your clothes and your supplies infected. When you come home, you want to strip your clothes off outside the house where you can, or have some place where you can, you can gather them all. Um, you don't want to track it into the house now. You want to consider your home a quarantine zone right now. All right. But when you do get back to your home, take all the goods, have them in a location that is, is clean there. It's a, it's a clean area. You want to quarantine your you, the food that you just purchased for about 72 hours. Not just the food, but everything that you just purchased, quarantine it for 72 hours. You want to leave it there. Don't touch it. Don't buy perishables. You're buying things now that can stay there for 72 hours. They don't need refrigeration and stuff, okay? You want to wash your clothes um, on hot in the, in the washer, and you want to jump in the shower and shower down, okay? You want to basically disinfect yourself, okay? Don't use things like Lysol on you or anything like that. You want to focus in on just getting in the shower, just scrubbing everything down and doing that. But this is only if you have to go out. Hopefully you have enough stockpile and supplies that you don't have to go out. Because again, we're still in the early stages. So there's going to be more and more infected in your area as things go along. So if you do, or if you haven't been preparing, you need to go out and do it now so that you're not going ahead and getting it, um, and getting, um, infected. All right. Um, okay. Uh, number three. So this was a uh, I, I, this is no prediction of mine. I, this isn't I told you so, but I told you so. All right. So um, 
in the webinar, I talk about the second wave that's coming and how to prepare for it. And, and really, that ha that, it always comes to me as a soldier, having been in combat and understanding the, the human dynamics of people in a crisis. That's typically my biggest fear. You, you can keep the, 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 um, the COVID virus away. If you don't come into contact with it, you're not going to get it. It's plain and simple. So you quarantine yourself. You, you have enough supplies and stockpile that you don't have to go out. Done deal, folks. Done deal. You won't get it. You'll be safe. You need to create a bubble around yourself. I'm not, we don't have any visitors over or anything like that. I don't trust anybody. Even if they've sent, they said that they've been quarantining, I don't care. We are in a bubble. All right. But, uh, in Maine, <laughs> Uh, this was uh, this just came. I just saw this yesterday. A group of armed vigilantes um, blocked a home's driveway. They chopped down a tree, put it in front of the driveway, and there were armed vigilantes, a group of armed people out there that were forcing the residents that were inside that they suspected to be infected. Um, they were forcing them to quarantine in there. Now the. The suspicion of why they, 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 it looks like these people weren't actually infected, but they had New Jersey license plates on their vehicle. They were actually, uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, not, I don't think they were construction workers, but they were on a contract job, okay? And they were there from, from New Jersey, and all of a sudden you have armed vigilantes blocking your driveway with a, with a, with a chopped down tree, uh, armed with weapons, forcing you to stay in your home. Folks were, we're, we're expecting up to 200,000 or 300,000 deaths from this, and there's only 2,600 right now, and already people are freaking out, forcing people to quarantine inside their homes. So you need to make sure that you understand that people threat that's out there. In fact, this is what I'm getting a lot of calls for now with, um, uh, with other organizations that are asking me to speak to their people. It's really about that people threat. It's how, what do we do when there's civil unrest, when there's martial law? Um, what do we do when there's if there's looting? Those types of things. Those are that's what I'm getting questions about now because people are just starting to realize that these are very real threats that are out there. All right. Now there are things that you can do to prepare for that. There are things that I talk about inside the webinar as well. So go check that out. But you need to understand that we're just at the beginning stages of this, and as supplies run low, as we see more body bags, you are going to see people freak out more and do things that are um, that are out of, out of norm for them. All right. People just, they freak out in crisis mode. So you need to understand the people factor there. Okay. Now I've always said as well that we've always seen martial law during times of crisis like this. And again, martial law is really just a temporary suspension of regular law. Well, we're already under a state of martial law right now within the United States. It's already here. It's already here. And this past Friday, uh, this is item number four on my list here, Trump signed executive order authorizing up to one million troops to be called on to active duty to fight the virus. Now, we only have about 500,000 or so in, of the National Guard that could be activated. They've already started to put out to, I think it was 180,000, I think the Pentagon has said 180,000 letters went out to former members of the military asking them, hey, if you were asked to come back, would you come back in? I think they've had like 17,000 or so responses uh, so far that people would come back. Well, we don't know what that's going to look like when people and family members start getting infected there. Okay. But here's the thing. We only have about a half million troops that could be called in the, up in the National Guard that we could force back onto active duty. The executive order authorizes up to a million troops to fight the virus, which means that we're going to have to bring in people who have been retired, 
who have been discharged. Um, that includes me. I could be called back to, to active duty to be, to be put out there to help fight the virus. Okay. Um, so far, and this is something I said uh, last week that from my military con contacts that I have, that already people in California have been mobilized covertly. This was not something that was put out to the public, but that National Guard was already being mobilized to be able to start setting up hospitals. And we've already started to see that now. In fact, we're starting to see it in New York City where a, uh, in Central Park, they're now setting up hospitals in Central Park. I think the next thing that we're going to see is going to be the forced commandeering, essentially, of because um, we're running out of beds and we're going to run out of beds in hospitals, I think we're going to start to see in, in martial law, and as I'm making my prediction now, we're going to start to see hotels start to be commandeered by the government for martial law because they're perfect places to be able to quarantine people. They're perfect. You have food, um, you have food supply points there. There are restaurants inside of them. You have you can quarantine people all inside of one room. It has its own bathroom in there. It has its own shower in there. You can quarantine people in a very I have to say I mean a really not better environment than a hospital. Um, and it's you have housekeeping supplies there. You have laundry there. I think we're going to start to see hotels being set up as um, as hospitals pretty soon. I could be wrong, but that's my prediction because I think that's what they should be doing. And I think that's what we're going to start to see. Um, but the, the, the main thing here, the blip on the radar, is that if we're authorizing up to a million troops and we only have 500,000 National Guard that we can call on, that means that the White House is actually expecting this to be much bigger than what we're already, what they're already saying, okay? So they're, they're planning ahead for it. That's great. Um, everybody that's aware out there should really look at that as a number that's kind of like the reading between the lines. Hope I'm wrong. Tinfoil hat, not on, <laughs> but that's what I'm seeing, okay? Um, here's item number five. Uh, China is currently out there helping Italy. They have delegates from China that have been that that helped to deal with the Wuhan uh, crisis that was happening over there. They dealt with the COVID virus over in China, and they have already dispatched people to help out in Italy. Now, I don't know if it's happening in the. I don't know if they've sent delegates over to the United States yet. I don't know if we're putting up the no, we can do this ourselves. We're we're not. You know, we don't we don't want your China help. I don't know what's happening on, on that end, but Italy is looking at it. Um, they already have delegates over in China already has delegates over in Italy helping them out. And they're recommending their steps and they're, and they're also showing what they've learned from their things. And it's, I think some very interesting things that are coming out there. So number one, um, one of the things I've talked about is that the reason why China was able to get a handle on this within a few months was because they are an authoritarian government. They were able to, I mean, they're basically are martial law. So when they say you're staying in your homes or else we're going to shoot you, that's what that people stay in their homes. They're used to that kind of an, of an environment. They're used to that kind of, a, kind of a government. We're not. We're not. In fact, we already have people that are out there that are infected that have been going out because, damn it, I'm an American. I'm going to go where I want to go. You can't stop me, blah, blah, blah. Well, we are going to start to see forced quarantines. All right? We're going to start to see it because we're going to have to. This is how China got got it under wraps. Now, as we start seeing more deaths tick up and up, they're going to have to keep ramping this up. This is the thing that really bothers me the most is that we're not taking forceful steps right away to be able to really contain this and save lives. We're still kind of like kicking the can down the road and we don't want people to be, to be panicked by it. And so we kind of do these little graduated 
steps without actually just putting a stomp down on this thing right away and learning from what China did. I'm not saying turn into a communist government overnight, but we have to start quarantining and telling people it's not just social distancing. You've got to quarantine yourself. You're going to start to see where it's going to be more forced because we're going to have to, because we're, we're just at the very beginning stages of this. All right. So start to look for that as well. Um, item number six is that I'm seeing more and more articles on, from mainstream media out there. And that pisses me off, too. Not this lamestream media, not not the, the liberal media. God damn it, people, for crying out loud. We have really good journalists out there that are out there finding they're they're out there finding information, they're sharing information. Now not everybody's doing that. I get it. It's still politicized. I get it. But as I said before, like look for your information from scientific resources, all right? But listen to both sides of the aisle. For God's sake, watch CNN, watch MSNBC, watch um Fox News, watch these places, but it, just look for the scientist information on there. Be able to think for yourself and read between the lines, get past all of the, the politicizing of all this shit. Excuse my English. And, but you've got to stay informed. And if you're, if, if you're looking at the media like this as it's all, that it's all, um, um, it's all biased, then, then you're missing the stuff that's not biased. You're, I, I trust that everybody out there is smart enough that you're not falling on talking points here. And, and falling prey to them and that you're smart enough to be able to look for facts and what's really happening out there. The information's out there, folks. Make educated decisions for yourself, for God's sakes, all right? But the mainstream media out there is doing more and more articles now on preppers and how they're prepared. I have seen articles now about uh, bunker complexes where people have had bunkers and they didn't think they, they needed them anymore and they thought it was a stupid purchase. They wasted all their money on it. And now they're happy and now they're down in their bunker. It's not bunker time, folks. Okay. So again, people still look like whack jobs when the media gets a hold of it and turns them into doomsday preppers. All right. But they are, but to their own credit though, the media has been saying, Hey, these guys have been saying forever that they're prepared. They're not worried about the pandemic because they were already prepared for the pandemic. We should learn something from these people, all right? But folks, are you practicing operational security? Are, do you want to be known as one of those preppers who was planning ahead and, and, had, and has a stockpile of food? Right now, it might be safe. It's not going to be in another month from now, all right? So you need to practice operational security right now. Don't tell people what you got down at the store. Don't say that you're prepared. All right. Quarantine yourself. Keep the information to yourself. Keep your supplies to yourself. And, pre and because preppers are going to be seen as a resource in the future. I hope I'm wrong. But folks, I've seen this in real life. I've seen it happen where people that don't that are looking at sick family members that are starving. Look, they're going to get the resources however they can. That's why I always say in our webinar Asking turns to begging, begging turns to demanding, demanding turns to taking, potentially by force. You need to protect your family, not just from the virus, but from the people out there that are not preparing. Don't go out there with a prepper sticker on. Take the bumper stickers off of your, your, um, your, your pickup truck from the NRA and for anything else that makes it look like you're a, you're somebody that could be a prepper or into guns or whatever it might be. All right. You need to make sure that people don't think of you that way. And, it, and now's the time to do it. Don't say I'm screwed. There's nothing I can do about it. Go out and start it right now because you don't even want to be, you don't want to be driving around in town 
and just people just that have never seen you before or don't know you that they see all these gun stickers on you. And all of a sudden there have been situations where there have been protests that have gone crazy and there is there have been people that have uh, looted or something like that. And people are looking for self-protection and they start asking you for a firearm. Hey, it looks like you're into firearms. Do you have any firearms? You got any ammunition? That's the other thing I'm noticing around where I live. I live in a rural area, but I'm hearing gunshots going off all the time. People are preparing. They're looking for this thing. People are getting trigger happy. They're out there out on the range. You want to make sure that you are not looked at as a target or as a resource for supplies for anybody else. Okay. All right. So ultimate message here for all these last things that I've covered is that we have, we have yet to see the worst folks. I wish I had really rosy picture here for you, but I'm afraid I don't. We're going to see things get worse. Martial law is already here and people are going to continue to freak out and become the threat. Now, again, I talk about this in my webinar. There's, it's still relevant information. It still teaches you what to prepare for. You can still go watch it right now. We haven't taken it down yet. It's at www.mcsmagazine.com slash pandemic dash replay. All right. Go check it out. It is going to give you some additional information there as well for how you can prepare for this sort of thing. All right. Um, so go check it out. Now, I will be back next week with another update of what is on my, on my readiness radar to give you some additional tips. I want to hear from you and what you're take, what you're currently doing as well to be able to prepare. What are you doing for you and your family to stay safe? All right. Go ahead and please leave a comment on our blog over at moderncombatandsurvival.com where this podcast episode is. And, um, and stay safe out there, folks. Until our next broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. modern combat and survival we hope you've enjoyed the show you can help us out by rating our podcast on itunes and leaving a comment you can check us out on facebook at facebook.com backslash modern combat and survival and don't forget to claim your free subscription to modern combat and survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com lock and load and we'll see you next time this has been Modern Combat and Survival. <laughs>